to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 4 through 9. Y'all thought we were through. We thought we were fixing clothes, didn't you? I want this to tie in with what we just talked about. Let's pray. Father God, as we open your word, God, speak to us. God, make your word relevant to our lives, dear God, right now, at this very moment. God, the young people that are in this sanctuary this morning, these young parents, God, bless them. God, speak to their hearts. God, help them to understand the importance of the potential that you have for their family. The importance, dear God, the love that you have for their family. God, would you do that right now? Lord, for the elders. Lord, for, for those, dear God, Lord, that have stood the test of time. That have stood in the gap, dear God. Lord, bless them today. God, enrich their lives today. God, bless them. Bless this church, God. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. When we think about the church and what great potential that it has. I want us to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. Paul speaking, he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Amen? He goes on to say, he said that you were, dwell on this word, you were enriched in everything by Him, in all utterance, or you could say speech, in all utterance, in all knowledge. Remember the first three verses that we talked about, that you were born of God, if you had, if you did not sin. And so I'm not talking about us being perfected right now. We, he knows that we're going to have sin in our life, but we're still working toward being less sinful. Amen? We're still trying to get to that place where we're, He's removing sin from our life. So we understand on the basis that when we're, we're saved, and, and many of you probably didn't realize that you got these two gifts. You know, you got the, the gift to be able uh, to speak, to have speech, the utterance, the utterance, and the knowledge, the knowledge. God gave you that at salvation. Because he planted that seed, it goes on to say, it says in verse 6, it says, Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you in the end, amen, that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our, say it with me, our Lord. Our Lord. The revelation that, that Paul is sharing here and understanding what, what he's saying to the people, he's saying, listen, when, when you were saved, when you were, when you were born again, you received the, the gift to be able to speak, the, the, the gift to be able to have knowledge, access to to the Spirit of God, to be able to call upon Him, to be able to, to ask Him and, and have, have a relationship with Him. To understand that the reality, and, and we talked about the church and 
of the world and the mess that it's in. Understand this. How many of you believe that the world is too big a problem for God to fix? Nobody believes that. How many of us believe that to the point that we put it on our prayer list every day that we pray for our country? Think about this. If you've prayed for your country this past week, raise your hand. Be honest now. You're in church. All right, look at that. I don't know. A little more than I thought. How many of you have prayed for President Biden in the last week? Amen. Amen. How many of you have talked about him in the past week? Come on. All right. You see what happens is this. We can talk about him all we want to. It's not going to change him. But we can talk to God about him. And guess what? He can change him. He can. And I understand what I'm saying here. I understand what I'm saying. We want our world to be better. But Satan wants us to argue about it. Satan wants us to divide us into the separate halves and argue about it so that what? Nothing ever gets done. You know, I heard a story one time a guy was talking about. He said, well, the devil was in my house this morning. He just, he just all this happened. I, I believe he lived in my house more than he lived in y'all's. But another guy come in and he said, well, the devil was in my house. I said, no, no, that can't be so. He can't be everywhere like Jesus. But you know what he can do? He can put one of his little demons up on the roof, and that he's listening. He's listening. He said, "What?" But he said, "They're talking about praying." They heard Jason say today they're talking about praying. And you know what happens when they hear that? They go tell the devil. The devil doesn't want us praying. Young couples, how many of you young couples? How many of you are praying together? I'm going to be honest. Oh. Hmm. When I do premarital counseling, they come into my office. They used to come into my office. First thing I'd ask them, do you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? Pretty easy to determine. Next question I would ask them is, are you sleeping together? Pretty tough question, isn't it? Do you think I could figure out if they were or they weren't? You, you think they could lie to me on that one? You'd be amazed they can't do it. Well, if they were, what was, what was I to do? Was I to say, well, I'm not going to marry you? No, that's not, that's not what God wanted me to do. So listen, let's stop. Let's be pure from here until the time we get married. If they were there, I didn't have to ask them the third question, how's your prayer life? You know, you can find out a lot about the situation if you ask them, how's your prayer life? 
That's why I ask you young couples, how, how is your prayer life? What, what are some excuses that, that we don't pray together? Why is it that we, uh, as families, we don't pray together? I just don't feel what? I don't feel comfortable. Huh? I don't feel comfortable praying out loud. Well, let me tell you something. I believe with all my heart and all my spirit, the way that God is going to heal this nation is through our prayers. I don't think it's just going to happen. I don't believe it's just going to one day just boom, and we're going to be good. It's not going to happen that way. God wants us to tap in to the potential that He has for the church. Now, there's no question about it. The church can win. The church will win, but the attitude that we take is, well, when's Jesus coming back? When we should be battling right now for the potential of those that don't know Jesus. Understand that if we're born of God and we're growing in God, that we've got to get to that place to where we want to serve God. So when we think about it, the idea of where I think the church is today, I believe that a lot of times that What's happened to, to believers is that, is that we get saved. We get saved. Like we've done something. We ain't done anything. I heard it told that, you know, the, the Red Sea parting, when God parted the Red Sea, get this picture of what was there. There were millions of people on the bank. They were fixing to be killed by the Egyptians, by Pharaoh's men. You remember what God told Moses to tell him? What did he tell him? He said, stand still and watch what? The salvation of God. I relate that to our salvation. But see, you can come to Jesus as a lost person. You can come to Him as a drug addict. You can come to Him as an adulterer. You can come to Him as a liar. You can come to Him as a thief. You can come freely. And guess what He will do? He will save you. He will save you. He will do that. And you don't do anything. But like my brother said, all he says is for us to believe. He doesn't say believe and go to church, believe and be baptized. It says believe. And you will be saved. Church, we have complicated what salvation really is. It's believing. We stunt the growth of many believers because we pile on all this other stuff. But we, what God said was just stand there and watch the glory of God. That was the introduction. That was the salvation. That was the born of God. That was the born of God moment. But there's another crossing. Y'all remember the other crossing? It was the Jordan River. Same process. Same idea. But the reality of what happened there was totally different. He told him just to stand there at the Red Sea. But at the Jordan, what did he tell him? He told the priest to do what? He said, step in the water. As a believer today, I believe that so many of us are between. We're between the Red Sea and the Jordan River. We're, we're somewhere in between. That's where the church is. Well, how do you know that, brother? Because the church doesn't have any power today. 
Think about our nation. Think about our world. Everybody in here agrees. Our world is in a mess. It's in a mess. It's worse every day. More and more. It's It's getting more evil. So what does that tell me if you're saying, well, the church has power? Well, it does have power. But we've got to tap into the potential of that power. It can win the battle. It can win the war. But God wants us to ask. He wants us to be obedient. I preached for 19 years. Obedience always brings what, David? Always brings blessing. You want blessing? Be obedient to God. You want blessing? Be obedient to God. So here we are. We're caught. And in this situation, cross the Jordan. He says, listen. He said, step into the water. In other words, he was saying, listen, we're going to step in this together. Your promise is over here. I want you to walk with me. I want you to follow me. That's the same scenario we're here on earth, y'all. Jesus saved us. He cleansed us. He did all of that. But God wants us to grow. He wants us to see the full potential of the church. The church. Some of y'all, Brother Nine, in 30 years, there have been some good times here and there have been some hard times, hadn't there? There have been some ugly times. It has. Why is that? Because I believe the devil is fighting tooth and nail. Fighting tooth and nail. Oh, don't let him get up. Every time he can knock him down. Don't let him get up. But you persevered. First Corinthians 1, 4 through 9 tells us right there, it says, By Him in all utterance and all knowledge, we have been enriched. We've been enriched with that. To use for the glory of God. Tapping into His potential. I know that the choir went long. We may be running over, but stay with me. We're we're getting there. We're going to get through you in just a second. But I want us to understand that potential of the church is so strong, so powerful. God wants us to experience that. But the reality is that if you'll turn, uh, flip to Matthew. There was discussion at the the Last Supper that Jesus was having with His disciples. Matthew 26 Starting in verse 20. It said, When even it had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish, will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for the man if he had not been born. Here's the last verse. It says, Then Judas, 
who was betraying him answered and said, he didn't say Lord. He said, Rabbi, Rabbi, is it, is it I? And there's no, there's no dispute that Jesus was a, was a great teacher. He was a great teacher, and, and, and Judas was willing to identify him as a teacher. But the Bible says that the rest of the disciples identified him as what? As Lord. There's a big difference between a teacher and the Lord. I don't know why I'm honed in on you young couples. Ted, you need it, I know, but I'm honing in on these young couples. Is he Lord of your life? Is he truly the Lord of your life? You know, I heard one time about first voice, second voice. When Jesus becomes Lord of your life, guess what he is? He's the first voice you hear. Jason, if your wife wants to go to McDonald's to eat after service, no big deal. She's probably your second voice, right? Second voice. Who's first voice? The Lord. Second voice, my wife. I'll probably surrender to that. I'll probably surrender to that. But Greg, if Dodie says, I don't think we need to tithe anymore, who you resort to? You go back to the first voice. You see the difference? You see the difference here? What, what, what happens in your life when, when you allow Him to be Lord of your life, what happens is that He becomes the first voice in your life. That's, that's where we mess it up. He, even as a church, we say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. We sing that song all the time. And, and, and we say, he's, he's Lord of my life. But the reality is He's really the second or maybe the third voice in my life. You see the difference? Because the, the, the difference comes when, when the fruit that we bear doesn't bear fruit of God. But when He's the first voice, everything else is trumped. And you know what happens? It's hard to follow Jesus. Let me tell you something. It's hard to follow Jesus because when He's your first voice, nobody else's voice matters above His. Maybe below, but not above. And what happens is people that you're involved with, your friends, even your family, your loved ones, your church even, will say this, well, you don't like me or you don't love me anymore. The absolute opposite is correct. When Jesus is your first voice, you love Him more. In Luke 14, it talks about, and I'll just paraphrase this, but it talks about hating your mother and your father. I remember as a young kid, I read that. I said, God, you're wrong. I can't hate my mother and my father. As a young boy, I didn't understand what that meant was. But basically what that's saying is that Jesus is going to be my first voice. Jesus is going to be my first voice. And while I'm in my home, mom and dad's going to be my, my second voice. But once I leave them, my wife becomes 
second. Being born of God, following God, making God, making Jesus the Lord of your life, it's hard. It's really hard. But it's worth it. Let me tell you something. And I'll close with this. We love your ministry. We love your pastors. And I can say that now. I'm on my way out. I'm going into a new season. They bear witness to you all the time. They love you. And when they don't say what you want to hear, doesn't mean they don't like you. You hear me? When they don't tell you what you want to hear, that means that they probably love you. Brother Nathan loves you. I've heard him preach. I've heard him talk about you. He loves you. But he loves God first. He's going to say some things that contradict the way you live sometimes. You hear me? You're going to have to change some things. You're going to have to allow God to remove some things in your life if you're going to follow the Lord. Now the bottom line to all this is right here. The potential for the church is amazing. Overwhelming. But we have to tap into it. We have to say, yes, Lord. You're going to be my first voice. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to sacrifice. Your kids aren't going to get to experience everything that they want to. Okay? It's not going to happen. But you'll never regret it. I'm sorry for going so long. But I wanted to get all that out. Jesus Christ died for us. He died that we could stand here today and proclaim His greatness. If you don't know Him as your Lord, your Savior, and the Holy Spirit draws you, Jason and Philip are going to come and going to be up front here. If God's moving on your heart to make a decision, you come here and you do it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for this people, dear God, Lord, that I love so dearly. Have come, set their self apart today to come and, and to be here as a gathered body of believers. God bless them. Bless this church. Let it continue, dear Lord, to glorify and honor you. If there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, there may be somebody here, a family, God, that's ready to make Jesus Lord their life, not just teacher, but Lord of their life. Maybe they need to come and pray. I'd let your spirit have his way in Jesus' name.
His presence. 